This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Brought to you by Albate Resort, a renovation of style in the heart of Sharjah. Sabah al-Khair and welcome back to the second hour of Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. Now, uh, we have two award-winning authors from the UK and the US with us here as we welcome to the studio the author of Amina's Voice, named Best Book of 2017 by the Washington Post, and the author of Planet Omar, featured on the BBC's CBB Storytime. Hannah Khan and Zainab Mian join me next to talk books as a gateway to new world and the power of inclusivity and representation next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. The heart of Shazha. This is Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Hannah Khan is an award-winning Pakistani-American children's author. Her middle-grade novel, Amina's Voice, launched Simon & Schuster's imprint Salam Reads and was named a Best Book of 2017 by The Washington Post. Incredible stuff uh, from Hannah Khan. She is with us in the studio and along with her, we are welcoming as well Zainab Mian, whose books have featured on the BBC CBB's Bedtime Stories and The Guardian for their contribution to diversity in children's literature. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> so great to have the two of you here. You are both uh, a couple of our authors uh, who are here as part of the Ch- Sharjah Children's Reading Festival, um, which is, you know, uh, I want to get your uh, thoughts on it. We know it's fantastic, but what have you guys been thinking of it? You've seen uh, what's going on. You've done some school visits. You've had some sessions with the kids. Uh, Hannah and Zainab, tell us what you're thinking so far. Um, I think it's completely extraordinary. I think the the children of Sharjah um, are so, so lucky. What a great way to inspire reading and a love for books. You know, if I if I was a child, I would completely be going crazy in there. It's, <laughs> it's great fun. <laughs> and you, Hannah? Yeah, it's just so beautiful. I was impressed by just the, the quality of the books that I'm seeing and um, the, the, the installations. They're just incredible. And uh, I, too, it would have been so exciting to be a kid and just run through those halls and, and see all those beautiful books and and to get to meet authors and performers of all types it's it's really a spectacle it's amazing and the workshops that are going on the sessions that you guys are holding too um but of course we're most excited by the caliber of of the authors like yourselves who are here uh, and and the two of you kind of have a, a similar theme um that runs through your works and it's all about diversity and inclusion and identity um uh, hannah you coming from the u.s and zainab you coming from the UK um, and both being Muslim, both talking about what it's like to be Muslim growing up as Muslim in the West as well. Um, same but different. So I want to go through the two of you. Hannah, tell us a bit more about you, your story uh, and how you came to writing. Yeah, so I I was a big reader as a child uh, and also uh, one of those children who like to write for fun. Um not ever thinking I would have an audience. And um, I, even though I spent a lot of time in my local public library reading everything I could get my hands on, I never saw myself represented in a book. And it didn't 
even occur to me that that could be a thing. I think I subconsciously accepted the fact that stories didn't include characters like me in them. Because you're both Pakistani uh, originally, right? Yes. So, yes. And, and this is the thing, you know, being Pakistani American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it wasn't until much later, until I became a mom, that I started looking for the books that I didn't have and for the representation that didn't exist when I was a child. And I wanted my children to have that experience. And I, I mistakenly assumed that somebody had written those books in that time uh, and, of course, discovered that they still didn't exist. Uh, and this was back in 2001. And I started thinking a lot about representation of Muslims or the lack thereof and some of the misperceptions that were very prevalent in the U.S. Uh, about Muslims and, and a lot of curiosity about who Muslims are and what we believe in, what our traditions are, etc. And I set about trying to fill this gap and, and create stories with Muslim characters, um, initially really to teach people uh, about very basic things like Ramadan uh, and Muslim practices. And then, you know, now more just having characters that are Muslim who are just living regular lives as children um, because I think it's so important for kids to see themselves and also for other children to see Muslim characters um, and be able to relate to them and identify with them. You're both moms. Um, and Hannah, uh, your uh, firstborn was actually born at a very crucial time in this conversation. Exactly. Uh, he was about six months old when the tragic events of 9-11 happened in the U.S. And as a parent, uh, you know, I was terrified for what he might face in terms of um you know, discrimination or other pushback uh, at that time. And thankfully, throughout his childhood, up until quite recently, uh, we didn't see a lot of the negative repercussions that we feared as a community. Um, Sadly, over the last couple of years, we're seeing a big shift in attitudes uh, towards Muslims in particular, but minorities and immigrants and others, you know, collectively. Uh, And so it is it is a challenging time to be a Muslim in America um, in in some ways. Um, And so I do think we all have to do our part to try to share our stories and uh, be out there and be visible as Americans, um, as as humans, you know, and really demonstrate uh, who we are and what we represent and what we believe in. Uh, And so a lot of the work I do is really intended to highlight the the things we all have in common, our shared humanity, our shared values, um, because I think the more people get to know us as a community, they realize that we aren't much different than yeah. than they are um, and that we do share common values, uh, which a lot of times isn't obvious um, or especially by the way Muslims are represented. It's, it's made to seem that mm-hmm. we're perhaps not. Absolutely. Uh, Zainab, uh, we want to talk a little bit about your story as well and your background and how you came to be an author. Yeah, my story is so similar to Hannah's. The whole time she was speaking, my head was <laughs> nodding, 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 nodding. <laughs> Everything she said. Um, yeah, so similar story. When I had my own children um, and I started taking them to the library since they were six months old, instilling that love of books, and I noticed that, wait a minute, where are all the minority characters in, in the books? It's, you know, it's missing. Mm. All the great fun books feature white protagonists um, and I thought back to when I when I was at school and uh, it's like you said I never even expected to see myself in a book it was just default it was just assumed that yeah books feature white people to the extent that um, when we were asked to draw um, pictures for our own books that we created in school when I was um, maybe about seven or eight years old I refused to 
colour my um, character in with a with a brown crayon. Really? <laughs> you know? And I've heard um, similar stories mm. from other um, publishers and authors. They they all seem to have a story like that, you know? Because, mm. and when the teacher asked, it, it was supposed to be a book about ourselves. And I had drawn a little white girl. <laughs> and uh, I was just so confused when the teacher wasn't pleased and she said, you need to colour it in. And I just, I just didn't get it at the time. And that's such a vivid memory for some reason that's really stuck with me although from that age I don't remember much else um, but that really stuck with me and and then I just yeah so when I had my own children I began to think I cannot believe that all of these years later and with the fact that um, Britain is so culturally diverse that it hasn't filtered down into the books even yet uh, and uh, so I I was really passionate about trying to change that um, and I it wasn't I didn't at that point I didn't even want to just represent Muslims I just wanted to represent everybody who was missing from books I was over ambitious <laughs> so I, I started my all thank you yeah um, I started my own small independent press Sweet Apple and um, started making picture books that featured all sorts of characters that's amazing. That's so important. Representation matters. In uh, in just a moment, we're going to come back and talk about why, in fact, representation matters. We are speaking to Hena Khan and Zainab Mian. More to come on Life Beats right after this. Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. It's Pulse95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, we are back with Hena Khan and Zainab Mian, two authors who are here as part of the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival, both award winning uh, with wonderful accolades. Uh, to their names, uh, let's talk a little bit about your books now. Um, Hannah, let's uh, talk about your book, Amina's Voice, because it is uh, about a young girl who is in the sixth grade. It is about her personal journey, but then actually it's about so much more. And this is a a book that uh, was amongst the best books of 2017 by not only the Washington Post, um, but uh, it was named that by NPR, by Kirkus Reviews and others as well. What a what a great honor. Thank you. It, it really it really felt like a, a very tremendous honor. That's amazing. So tell us a bit more about the book um, and the impact that it's had. Thank you. So uh, really, the book for me was an attempt to create a very relatable character who I would have wanted to read when I was a kid. Um, Somebody who is struggling with her confidence and her friendships and dealing with changes in her family and her life uh, as she's starting middle school and trying to just navigate being a kid. Um, But the story also takes you into an Islamic center and which is a big part of her family's life and it's a chance for people who maybe have not had the chance to get to know a Muslim family to to meet a Pakistani American family and others that are part of this community uh, and towards the end of the book it's a, it's a little bit of a spoiler but it's in the flap copy so not too much uh, the mosque and the Islamic Center are vandalized uh, and I included that in a story that is very much centered around this little girl and her personal journey uh, because of my concerns of what I was seeing at the time when I wrote the book and knowing that there were uh, fears of Muslims uh, and 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 the idea or the confusion around mosques in particular. You know, what, what goes on there and what are, what are Muslims doing in those places? And I thought if they got to know a, a community center and to meet an imam who's this young, cool guy uh, and see what happens, you know, which is 
religious education classes and fundraisers and pizza lunch and children complaining that, you know, they're they're. Arabic classes are boring, you know, and just everything that people are very familiar with that hopefully they would get to see you know, how similar Muslims are to any other community. Uh, and also when the community is under attack, hopefully be able to put themselves in, in Amina and her family's shoes and feel empathy and sympathy for them. And I, the reaction that the community has was something that I wrote, you know, aspirationally that what I would hope a community would do to rise up and, and support a Muslim family and, and larger group of people if something like this were to happen. And, you know, tragically, we're seeing more and more of these types of events happening, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And the response has been that way. Um, as much as, you know, it's horrific to see things like this happening, um, we have seen positive response by communities really stepping up to support each other when tragedy tragedy does strike um so in that sense i'm i'm grateful that i included this aspect to the book uh because it's a tool for conversations that i think really need to happen Mm. Uh, and i'm grateful that the book is being widely read um you know across the country and i guess internationally uh, because i think these are these are conversations that we need to have um and for just people to have this sense of what is at stake um, when things like this happen. I want you to talk to us a little bit about um, the journey of of publishing this book because, uh, yes, uh, we want diversity and it seems that publishers know that we want diversity, but it's not always uh, the best response. Yeah, so I wrote the book about five years before it was published and so it came out in 2017 and I had started it in late 2012. Uh, and it, you know, it took me a while to, to finish writing it and get it to a place where it was ready to to pitch. But um, you know, I got like many other authors a bunch of rejections, and people felt that the book was too quiet and that um, you know it wasn't quote unquote the right type of diversity they were looking for. What which, does that even mean? <laughs> I never quite understood exactly what that meant, but um, I think honestly, it, it was probably concerned that there wasn't enough of a market for a book like this. Um, And I think that really generally was the idea back then that, you know, diverse books, um, you know, wouldn't sell. And we're seeing quite the opposite now, that so many award-winning books and best-selling books are written by diverse authors um, or you know, minority authors of, of some type, um, that it's, it's, that's been debunked. Uh, and we're seeing a huge interest among you know, publishers for more content and a scrambling, I think, almost to make up for what's been lacking uh, for so long. But I think uh, at that time, you know, there really there was a hesitation you know, in terms of whether or not you know, there would be the, the audience they wanted. It, it just astounds me. It still astounds me when they say, oh, it's not going to sell. <laughs> and yet he, here we are sitting hungry for these stories and for seeing ourselves represented in these stories. Uh, Zainab, I'm going to come to you uh, right after the half past headlines. We're going to come to your book, Planet Omar, as well uh, as uh, the, all of the other books uh, that you've written as well, the picture books too. Um, there's so much to talk about, so many brilliant books and great writing here uh, that we are discussing and uh, talking about why representation is so important. More to come on Life Beats. Talk about radio. It's Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95.
Yes, talking all things children's books with a couple of acclaimed authors we are lucky enough to have with us here in the Lifebeat studio. Uh, we have with us Zainab Mian and Hannah Khan. Um, Zainab, let's come to you and uh, your books. And um, Planet Omar, I feel like, is, is the one that is um, that you're most famous for at the moment. It's not the CBB's <laughs> one, though. No, that's not the CBB's one. Yeah, so take us through your books. (laughs) There's a few different ones here. So Planet Omar Accidental Trouble Magnet is the first book in a series that's just been published in the UK. I love the title. Yeah, it's a great fun title. (laughs) Yeah, Planet Omar is the series title. And um, the the, story is narrated by Omar, who's just this really fun, quirky, witty, but really warm and loving character. And he's just dispelling um, myths and challenging stereotypes through this story. So it's going to be part of a series, you were saying? Yes. Okay. It's it's a series, so there's there's more to look forward to in 2020. Oh, fantastic. Okay. And in this particular um in, in this particular book, he's just kind of getting into trouble in in all the wrong places. Is that <laughs> yeah, what's going on? He's a complete trouble magnet, not on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um I, I I wrote this story actually because um of the surge in faith-based bullying in schools which which really broke my heart in the UK which was reported by the NSPCC. Um, and obviously, because children are becoming so much more politically aware with, with Trump on the scene. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really know much about politics. But now there's playground talk of, of um, Trump and of terrorism and all of this. And um, it, it did lead to um, faith-based bullying in schools, not just perhaps adults being targeted. And that, to me, was really, really heartbreaking and you know, oftentimes it's just lack of education. The prejudice just comes from lack of education. It's not knowing uh, a Muslim family or, or a Muslim person, or even if there's somebody in the workplace who's Muslim, you're too polite to ask those questions that you you, you might want to know. Like, why do you fast? Why do you wear hijab? You know, in yeah. the, in, in Britain, we're all very polite. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we, do, we don't ask these kinds of questions. Um, actually, I do have a funny story from um, when I was teaching and some of my colleagues said to me, but this was when we got to know each other a bit more, and they said, oh, I do feel sorry for your husband because he, d- he can't see your hair. <laughs> 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 and th- that just made me laugh so much. Um, it's like, but, do you so wear it in the shower to, type of question. Yeah, and that, that's actually in the book as well. <laughs> they have some great fun... Uh, uh, dis- discussing that. I mean, the books, it's a humorous book, so it does, um, it is dealing with some heavy issues, but in a very, um, people have said, feather light way and, and through humor. But yeah, that's one of the <laughs> one of the things that the kids laugh about in the book is that um, when somebody comes to the door, that, uh, to, for, for example, to deliver a parcel, the mum's always running f- to find her headscarf and people must think that we live in our headscarves because we've <laughs> always got them on when we, when we come to the door and we must shower in them and everything. So it's great to put a book out there which um, will answer some questions that people might have about us. Talk us, yeah. talk us through um, your CBB's book that uh, finally made it onto the screen. Can I just tell you, it's the coolest thing because we grew up with Play School and it's kind of very similar type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have Play School in the UK. Um, Hannah, I know that you've seen it too. Um, it's just, it's one of those things when you're growing up and you see play school and you see the stories being read Hmm. it's like the best part of the whole thing (laughs) um so you know what was that like getting your book on cbb story time it's it's exactly how you were describing it's i mean as a kid it was just sensational to see any book being read and then i was sat there on the sofa seeing my own book being read really really well it was it was complete fun which one was Um, it 
It was Odd Socosaurus. Odd Socosaurus. It's a picture book. Mm-hmm. It's a picture book um, featuring a black protagonist. And um, he's so, so cute. He has this really wild, springy hair. And it's just a really funny book which combines the characteristics of a, a typical six year old child with dinosaurs. So, for example, there's uh, he talks about being a no focus adocus, uh, a <laughs> never tired of first, a hungry of first, a fastosaurus rex. And I of course, that. the odd Socosaurus. It describes every child, I think, yeah. at that age, where <laughs> really they just does. like don't want to go to sleep. And but do you know the, um, the these kind of books? On, I love because as a parent, you want to be able to read to your books, but you want the books that you read to be fun for the parents as well. Yeah, because parents will be the ones that um, will decide whether they want to read that to you or not. <laughs> most over of the and time. over again. Right? <laughs> Depends how much of a pushover you are. Because yeah. <laughs> they do. Once they stick to a book and they love it, they just want it over and over. And sometimes you kind of <clears throat> have to like hide the book or just go, oops. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> missing. Yeah. Especially if it's a really long one. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I'm too tired to read this again for the 16th time tonight. Yeah. But yeah, no, they love it. And that's the thing. It's got to be engaging for both. So, you know, how do you go about for the both of you? Because you write uh, picture books as well, um, Hannah. How do you go about, you know, getting that kind of the perfect balance, I guess, that's going to be engaging for the kids. The parents love it as well. Uh, what is the process like? And, and you've both, you know, written books for slightly older kids and the picture books too. So, and how does that compare? So, Hannah. So, I think for me, um, with my picture books, they tend to be a little bit more teaching focused where mm-hmm. you're learning about Muslims in some way. So, I've written books about Ramadan, like Night of the Moon, and it's Ramadan, Curious George. I've written concept books like Golden Domes and Silver Lanterns and Crescent Moons and Pointed Minarets, where you're learning about colors or shapes and then about things that are special to Muslim people. Uh, and my newest picture book is called Under My Hijab, which actually explores the headscarf and some of the things, hoping to de- debunk some of these myths like, do you shower in that or do you sleep in that? Um, through, you know, through a simple story. But a lot of the tools that I rely on are, you know, writing in verse, you know, having a pattern, um, things that I never thought I would do since I don't consider myself a poet, but I end up writing in in verse so many times with my picture books. Um, And for me, I know as a parent, one of the things that would annoy me to no end is, you know, if a rhyme felt very forced or if there was, I feel like in a picture book that the danger is that one bad line can just destroy a book. Um, So I think for me that, you know, editing helps and, and really trying to tweak a book to make sure that there's nothing that you stumble over um, or, or find annoying as a parent. Um, yeah. And then, of course, it helps to have beautiful art. And I've been very fortunate to work with amazing artists who really draw draw readers in. Um, and that's, I think, an important part to consider as a picture book artist that, I mean, author, that you're, the art is telling half of the story. Mm. Um, and that, you know, it's good to be economical with words and let, let the story unfold visually as well. Because you've got so much... Uh, you know, so little, in fact, to work with in terms of words, you kind of have to be very specific about it. Exactly. Yeah. And you have to let that be. I think a, a common mistake, I think, in picture books, especially for, for people who are interested in writing them, is to overtell the story or to, to use words where the art could serve its place, you know, in its place instead. Um, and that, I think, is, is letting go a little bit and having mm. faith in the artist to, to tell the story as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zainab, for you. Yeah. I, um, my my picture books are mostly just fun, but I always have um, some sort of a message behind them. And I think when it comes to striking the right balance for the child and the parent to to love the book and to love to share it together, um, I think 
it's just the most wonderful feeling when you're reading a book with your child and you see their face light up. You see them engaging with the pictures and asking questions and giggling and laughing. Um, and as a parent, that's the kind of book you are going to look forward to reading to your child, just to see them like that and to share that special moment with them. Um, so I think if you if you can get that right, parents will, will love to read it and, and kids will just bring it to them time and time again as well. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, and I, I want to come back in just a moment and uh, talk about... Um, it's Ramadan Curious George. How'd you get a Ramadan book <laughs> in the Curious George series? That is so cool, like number one. Um, but we're also going to be talking about uh, the the authors that you've loved reading, how they've influenced you, and your advice for aspiring authors. That's all coming up on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. With a story to tell. Life beats. Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse ninety five. Ninety five. Yes, talking to uh, Zainab Mian and Hannah Khan here on Life Beats. It's a special of the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival. So much is going on there. If you haven't had a chance to get down there, you need to go because uh, these sessions, these activities, workshops, exhibitions, lots going on. It's all happening until April the 27th. That will be the last day. So make sure you do not miss out. Um uh, Zainab, your session was in fact yesterday. You had a session yesterday. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I did. It was great fun. I had um, three different schools coming into the session and the children here are just so lovely, intelligent, great <laughs> intelligent questions. Um, my book features a lot of science because uh, my background's in science, so I put that in there. Uh, and they found that completely fascinating that I can be an author and a scientist at the same time, and how does that even work? Really? Um, yeah, so I just loved how well-behaved and curious they were. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Um, Hannah, your session uh, is, in fact, tomorrow. Uh, today, no, it's today, in today. fact. Yep. 7 p.m., you've got a session, uh, Books as a Gateway to Other Cultures. Tell us a bit more about what we can expect there. So it'll be a panel with... Uh, myself and two other authors, I believe, and we'll be talking about all these issues, hopefully a lot of the same conversation that we're uh, having today and um, and more about how books can build empathy, how important representation is, um, inclusion, and what it can do for kids to see themselves in books. Something that I uh, find really cool, yes, I know you've got some great books and, you know, critically acclaimed and all that stuff, but um, it's Ramadan Curious George. Like having a Curious George book, that is just the coolest. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was really fun to write. And it's been a fun ride ever since it came out. How did that happen? How did you manage to write for Curious George? Yeah, a lot of people wonder. They're like, can anybody write a Curious George book? Or how does that come about? So I was actually approached by the publishing company that still puts out Curious George books. And uh, they said that the editor there said that we have a series of books where Curious George celebrates other holidays like Christmas and Hanukkah and St. Patrick's Day and Halloween, like a whole bunch of holidays. And she said, we think it's high time he celebrate Ramadan and you know would you be interested in writing this book and of course I was overjoyed at the idea of this book existing and then of course at the chance of having to write the chance of writing it and um, we decided that Curious George would have a Muslim family and Muslim friends that um, he would be observing the holiday with uh, and and it was just a sweet little board book but the reaction to it was really what surprised everybody um, I think I knew that people would be overjoyed to see a book like this but the 
you know, reception that it received far exceeded the publisher's expectations. And I think people were just thrilled to finally have uh, a mainstream character who everybody knows and loves include Muslims in this very special way. Um, and, you know, to feel validated and accepted uh, and to have, um, you know, something like this that everybody recognizes and, and can read. Hundred um, uh, percent, Zainab. This is something that we've been talking about as well. It's all good and well to have our own books as Muslims and people of color, um, but you know it's still kind of on the margins. When mm-hmm. it becomes mainstream, that changes the entire conversation, doesn't it? It does. When it becomes mainstream, it's something else because um, when a child walks into a major retailer where they're not used to seeing books about themselves, and there's a book that's about a Muslim character. It's completely different to seeing it like in the in the sh- the, the shop at the mosque or, or something, you know, or the Islamic library. Seeing a book like that there or seeing it in a mainstream newspaper or a magazine, it, it tells the children, you are welcome, you are accepted in this community and the environment that you live in. It speaks volumes. I, 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 can't, I can't stress enough how important it is that these books are published in a mainstream way, not just independently. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, 100%. What are you both kind of working on now? Hannah? So I have, um, I'm starting a sequel to Amina's Voice right now, um, which will hopefully be out next year, which I'm very excited about. And uh, I also just finished edits, final edits to my next middle grade novel, which is coming out in September. Uh, it's called More to the Story, and it's inspired by my all-time favorite book growing up, which was Little Women. Uh, oh, wow. And so this is uh, featuring four Pakistani-American sisters, uh, and it, you know, it's inspired by that story. It's a different story, but for people who did love the classic, you'll see many similarities in terms of the girls' personalities and some of the storylines uh, that I lifted from the original story. That's fantastic. I love that. Oh, thank you. I love how you're adapting, you know, something that it really is a classic. Uh, to something you know that is uniquely yours and your voice as well Um, Zainab what are you up to next I'm working on the second book in the Planet Omar series at the moment which is great fun I mean writing Omar is it's not work for me it's Mm -hmm. it's just fun because you've you've both got boys so do you take inspiration from from your kids oh absolutely the book is heavily inspired by my son (laughs) yeah (laughs) love Um, that and my family who's very quirky do you kind of test the books out on your own kids or how does this work absolutely I do too yeah I have a series called yeah Zaid Salim's Chasing the Dream is a three book series I put out last year and it features a boy who loves basketball and um, I definitely drew heavily from my kids' lives and had them, t- you know, ch- ch- fact check everything because I'm like, oh, if I get one basketball thing wrong, th- you know, these readers are going to reject me outright. So I had to make sure everything was on I point. I don't always listen to them, though, to be honest. Um, really? I know when to listen to them and when not to listen to them. Um, when have you not listened to them? I don't know. Um... I probably can't recall an example now, but um, it might be just with a joke, or and th- maybe they realise the joke is at their expense, so they're like, no, not that. <laughs> I just go with my with my instinct as a publisher as well, and from from experience like, that yeah, this might not appeal to you, but it appeals to a greater audience. Yeah. Okay, they're like, mom, don't put them in there. <laughs> Everybody will know it's me. Yeah, <laughs> but that's it, the best, right? <laughs> when you can yeah. take it's things. Almost, so much like revenge, <laughs> exactly against your kids, but. But, um, you know, for somebody who's a, an aspiring author, I want to get, uh, you know, your point of view of, of your tips for those who want to write and to be as successful as the two of you are. Oh. Well, I would say um, to really think about the story that you would have loved to read. 
or have read as a child. Um, I think a lot of times we write about what we think needs to be said. You know, we're, we're thinking about messages or about themes in the world or trying to speak to politics or whatever it is. And I think uh, we were talking about this earlier, how kids just want to be kids and they want to be entertained. And I think what we need more of, especially for you know Muslim writers out there who are interested in publishing, uh, we need stories that where kids just get to be kids and, um, and, and not heavy issue books that are laden with, with politics and drama and um, heavy social issues. Uh, I think it's, it'll be, it's, it's a trend within the diverse books movement uh, to have more books like that. And I think as, as writers, that's what, you know, it's, it's more fun to create content like that, too. And I think it, it, it is more fun to read and hopefully uh, will fill this important space, I think, that is needed. Yeah. Zainab? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I would say this will sound funny, but I always say this to aspiring writers when they ask, where do your ideas come from? And, you know, what, how do you advise me? I, I say just let yourself be bored. <laughs> Just because that's when when the greatest ideas will come to you. In, you know, in today's world, we're continuously stimulated. Whether it's social media, we're on Twitter. You know, um, we're continuously just running, running, running. And, and until you let yourself be quiet and still, mm-hmm. the ideas are not going to come to you. Exactly. And, you know, for for a great story, for a great book, you need to start with a great idea. I love that. So let yourself be bored, and it's also um, draw from your own experiences. Don't write stories that you haven't lived because it's not your voice won't be natural then i mean draw from your own experiences and write stories that you have you have lived and mm-hmm. that, that will um yeah and read i think you know speaking of the book yeah, festival read. <laughs> read especially if you want to write for children you need to read children's books uh and a lot of them your favorite uh books that you had growing up just to end on that I loved, oh my gosh, I loved Beverly Cleary, uh, the Ramona Quimby series and Henry Huggins and Ralph and and his motorcycle adventures. So she's my all-time favorite uh, writer. And I just love the the fact that she could get into kids' heads and create these neighborhoods and um, real-life experiences. So she was definitely my hero. Zaino? I loved um, Roald Dahl, obviously. Yes. (laughs) Um, The Famous Five. And uh, when I was a bit younger, and actually even now, I'll admit it, Dr. Seuss. Yes. Rhyming fun. (laughs) It's just, it's eternal, isn't it? Yeah. Dr. Seuss, you just can't, you can't, you know. (laughs) put that away you know it just continues and it's beautiful but I just want to thank you both so much for coming on the show today and it's just brilliant to have you at the festival and we're so excited for what's to come from you from what you've already produced so thank you so much Hannah Khan and Zainab Mian thank you thank you thank you thank Thank you you. it was a pleasure thank you that's all for us today on Life Beats on Pulse 95 but don't forget to check out the Sharjah Children's Reading Festival Hannah still has a session on this evening 7pm and many many more sessions and workshops going on there so do check it out it is happening all the way until Saturday take your kids go down down there be part of it it's just absolutely brilliant that's it for us here on life beats on pulse 95 we are going to be back again with you from 10 a.m on sunday have a great weekend this is pulse 95 tune in live every weekday from 10 a.m